0: And the power of the Most High, and the power of the Most High, will overshadow you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Christ has ascended. Earth to heaven. I greet you on this Sunday of the Commemoration of the Holy Fathers of the First Ecumenical Council. This is the 39th sermon in this series of homilies on the Sunday Epistle Readings. We continue today in the book of Acts. And the first thing that we notice in this account is that already the church has begun to establish the custom of celebrating particular liturgical feasts. Some people accuse the Orthodox Church of throwing in all these extra Sunday celebrations as just part of uh, stuff that's not really necessary, something that was added later, but this is not the case at all. We read already in the New Testament that particular days are being set apart for liturgical worship. And in the verses preceding this passage, we, we have the fact that the church began to gather on the first day of the week to break bread, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And this is a break from, from an earlier practice of gathering on the Sabbath. We read as we read the book of Acts, we see that in the early days whenever Peter or Paul or the other apostles would go into a city to begin to share the gospel, they would gather on the Sabbath. They would typically gather in the local synagogue or if there was no synagogue, they would gather wherever the faithful Jewish people were gathered on that day on the Sabbath. And they would sit down with them and they would reason with them and open the scripture to them, show them how Christ had come and fulfilled their faith. And in some cases, many Jews responded positively and embraced the faith, became Christians. In other places, they were um, run out of town and they were kicked out of the synagogues. So gradually we see that in addition to gathering on the Sabbath, they began to gather on the first day of the week because that is the day of the resurrection. That is the day on which Christ appeared, resurrected from the tomb. By this time we get into the book of Acts, we see that the first day of the week is becoming the more standard day of gathering for worship for the uh, New Testament church. But in today's passage, we see that not only gathering on the first day of the week has become uh, part of their tradition, but keeping of certain feasts, because it says that Paul was intent on arriving in Jerusalem, if possible, on, quote, the day of Pentecost. Now, this is not so much a reference to the Jewish Feast of Pentecost, which Israel had celebrated for many centuries, but rather the specific day of Pentecost, the day on which the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles and empowered them to bring the gospel to the entire world. Paul wanted to be in Jerusalem on Pentecost. Next week, we will celebrate Pentecost and the Church has been celebrating Pentecost for over 2,000 years, for nearly 2,000 years. Of course, this is only one of the feasts that we celebrate. We celebrate, of course, uh, last Thursday we celebrated Ascension, 40 days after the resurrection of Christ. We celebrate, and later on this summer, we'll celebrate the Transfiguration the feast by by which our parish is named. There are many other feasts throughout the year, special events in the life of Christ, in the life of Mary, the mother of God, and, and also the lives of the saints, and historical events that happen in the church down through history. This is an essential part of the life of the Orthodox Christian, it has its roots in the Jewish faith, in the New Testament, and has continued throughout all the history of the church. The idea that church is only for Sunday morning, or perhaps if you're especially zealous, Sunday night in some Protestant churches or Wednesday evening prayer meeting. This idea is very novel and antithetical to orthodoxy. It's a a secularized invention. And it is part of the overall plan of Satan to crowd the sacramental life of the church out of our culture. It is an attempt by Satan to systematically crowd out the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God. You just get rid of it. This reductionism puts the church in a tiny little box, keeping it separate from the really important things like making a living and having leisure time. And notice that in our culture, even this tiny little box has been encroached upon by youth sports and other secular activities. We see also how Christians over the last 50 years have, have retreated from the public forum in terms of politics and government, and how that has led to a taking over of our country of people who do not share Christian values. And it is time that we take our country back, We need to get back into the public forum. God has raised up a president in our country, President Donald Trump, to help us do this. Now I'm not saying he's a a great uh, moral person. I mean, I I don't really know him. Claims to be a Christian, but we know that he's, he's led a very immoral life in a lot of ways. Regardless of that, God is using him God, God can use anyone. Down through the history, he has used nations and kings and all kinds of people to bring his will into the world, to shake people up and to bring people back to repentance. And he is using this president. And it is up to us as Christians to stand up for the things that this president is putting forward in our country. We cannot afford to be pushed out of our culture or else our culture will suffer and die. We see that happening this week in our culture. Major cities all across the country being being torn down by violence and chaos and anarchy. Total disregard for human life. In today's passage, we also hear Paul predicting, prophesying to the people really, that after he leaves, heretics will come into the church. Wolves dressed in sheep clothing will come and attack the flock, teach false doctrines. And how fitting it is that we read this passage today on the day that we celebrate the Holy Fathers of the First Ecumenical Council. 318 bishops who gathered to defend the true faith, the faith that has saved the world, against the heretic Arius. Arius was teaching that Jesus Christ was not God. That he was a created being. And his prideful teaching was causing an uproar throughout the empire. We read in some of the hymns today that God judged Arius. That while he was on his way, he was going to be reinstated to the Holy Eucharist. While he was on his way to church, he had to stop in the bathhouse, in the bathroom, and his bowels poured out and he died a horrible death, similar to the death of Judas. We live in a time where our faith is being attacked, and we should be so thankful today to be in a church where the faith has been preserved and kept intact. It is summed up in the Nicene Creed, which we confess every Sunday in the Divine Liturgy. And this is a solid rock foundation upon which we have built our lives and that we can give to our children and our grandchildren. And if they build their lives upon this rock, their lives will not be shaken. and They will survive the storms of this life. And this is a sure thing that we give to them. This is the most important thing that we give to them, we give to ourselves, this faith. Paul spent so much time preaching and pleading with the people to keep this faith, to not, not abandon it. And as he's spending his time here in, with the people of Ephesus, and specifically the elders of Ephesus, He's telling them that this is the last time that they're going to see his face. And he pleads with them to keep the faith. This is really his farewell moment with them. In fact, the account concludes with a very poignant, poignant account of this farewell to Paul. Quote, when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing, most of all for the words which he spoke that they would see his face no more. Each of us someday will have a farewell moment with our family, with our friends, with our church community, Some of us right here in this very church building. We should all ponder what we desire to experience on that day and what it is we want to leave to those around us. I've heard very sad stories of Orthodox Christians who most of their life never set foot in in the Orthodox Church. And they came to the end of their life living totally secular, worldly lives. And when they died, their family came to the priest and said, we want our papa to be buried in the church. Never set foot in the church. We want our papa to be buried in the church. This always puts the priest in a great dilemma, what to do. But how sad that all those years They didn't care that their papa was not coming to church. But now that he's dead, they want him buried in the church. Children in Christ, let this not be our fate. Let us be totally in for Christ. Totally sold out for Christ. Let our lives flow with the love of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So that everyone around us will know who we are and what we're about and that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. So that when we come to that final farewell and we pray every Sunday, we pray this for a peaceful ending of our life without pain or shame and a good account of the fearful judgment seat of Christ. When we come to that day, hopefully we will be able to gather the people around us who are still alive and who love us and know us. And each of us can give a good testimony to them and pray for them and ask for their prayers as we enter into the life to come. Paul did this. He ran the the race. He fought the good fight. He gave everything he had. He had nothing left when he embraced his martyrdom in Rome and he had no regrets. May may this also be the case for each of us when we come to the end of our lives. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Christ has ascended.